Welcome to the Toffee Blues, your source for all things Everton. I am Jerry. Joining me today, I have Terry and Max. Uh, guys, it is good to see you. It's been a while since I've seen uh, it's, I've seen Terry more recently than Max. Max has been uh, well. He's he's got a lot of stuff, a lot of irons on the fire, if you will. Yeah. Um, it's nice to have the Holy Trinity back together. <laughs> uh, so uh, yeah, I was kind of like, oh. Somebody call me holy. Um, so <laughs> bashful. Uh, so uh, let's let's quickly, Max. You were talking about uh, something that you and uh, Tom are going to be doing uh, this coming Monday. Do you want to you want to elaborate a little bit on that? Yeah, will do. Um, it's in relation to the uh, the upcoming film Howard's Way. I'm sure a lot of the the viewers in the audience will be familiar with it. The uh, the film coming out in relation to. Everton during the 80s period, obviously under the mighty Howard Kendall, God rest his soul, and we've been invited by the club to basically what seems to be like a little mini media day. Um, get to go to Goodison, speak to a few speak to a few people who I assume it'll be the majority of the 80s squad in a lounge, ironically, and then down to St George's Hall, blue carpet event. Um, I don't know if they're going to show of the of the film, but the, the opportunity is absolutely massive, and I'm, I'm absolutely delighted to be invited. Me and Tom are going to go down like a little scouse hunting deck. <laughs> this is going to be like you. I mean, you guys, you guys hang out every once in a while, so it's kind of like this is going to be like you guys just normally doing your thing, except completely infused with it with with Everton on yeah. the night. That's that's pretty rad. Mm -hmm. uh, so uh, so, I know very little about the film. I just know from what I've seen, like the little scenes that I've seen on on Twitter that people have been posting and everything. Uh, so have have either of you had the chance to watch it yet? Uh, and if so, what can I expect when I when I do finally get the opportunity? I'm assuming it's going to be through Amazon or something when I finally do. Yep, I I do not know whether I'm supposed to keep this under wraps. So. That's the other thing I was wondering, is if I wasn't supposed to mention that. Or <laughs> in this in the final cut. But it, it's really informative, well, particularly as a 21-year-old, as a I feel it, found it really informative during the 70s and the 80s, and it's really good. It, it kick-starts around the, uh, the back end of the 60s. Obviously, we won the league 1960. Sold Alan Ball to Arsenal and went 14 years without winning a trophy, and it obviously stories Howard being appointed as manager and how he basically turned that entire team around. Um, players that he brought in, the heroes winning that F in '84 against Watford, um, all the trips to Wembley, the uh, the successful European Cup winners' cup run, and having been told so many stories from different generations of my family, it was as a as you know, Jerry as a massive film fan to see that kind of those two worlds of, of Everton and film kind of yeah. intertwine it you know that, that film's got a very special place in my heart so uh yeah I'm legitimately looking forward to to checking that out uh I've never watched an Everton movie so yeah it's kind of kind of awesome anything like that just is gonna help continue to 
push push the brand worldwide. Continue to push it worldwide. You're right; those worlds colliding. Uh, I, I I watch documentary film anyway, and I watch a heck of sorry, my child's in the room. A heck of a lot of uh, uh, of like football-based programming, football-based docu series, that kind of thing. So anything that's going to actually bring Everton into it, all for it. Very much all for it. So, uh, gentlemen. Let's, uh, let's summarize the show for the people who are listening via podcast. We're going to start with a uh, uh, match review extra time of uh, Sunday's match with Spurs. Uh, spoiler alert, if you were not paying attention, uh, if you were not there, I'm going to tell you the score now. One all. Okay? One all draw with Spurs from Sunday. A lot of stuff went down. There's a lot of talking points. It's just, it's just overflowing. There's a lot to say about this match, um, and not really that much about the football. All right, so we're gonna we're gonna ro- roll on with that, and then we're gonna have a conversation about uh, referees and VAR. Um, yeah, there's a lot of different ways that a lot of people have tackled this on social media and all over the place. We're just gonna do our best to to, to give our take on it, and yeah, we'll see we'll see if you agree. Chances are, all of us are disagreeing about a lot of things. Just, uh, just roll with it. You'll probably agree with one of us, right? And then we'll finish up with a quiz. It's another starting 11 quiz. Uh, yeah, these two guys going head-to-head, so uh, stay tuned. You'll, you'll hear that. So, gentlemen, on to the uh, match review extra time. Uh, as I said, match finished one all. Uh, thanks to a late equalizer by Tosun Pasha. Uh Let's talk about the football first, and we're going to talk about what went down with Andre Gomez and Son Young Min and uh, Serge Aurier. We'll talk about that later. Uh, but let's get, let's get the football. <laughs> I hate to say get the football out of the way, but you know what I mean. Uh, not a very super inspiring uh, match of football for a while. Uh, not a ton of opportunities at goal. Um, I will say one of the highlights for me was seeing the lineup in formation. Uh, Max, you want to. You want to start off talking about uh, how that, how you felt about that four three three, and how it worked out for us or it didn't work out. Well, I think initially when you see the the official Twitter account putting it out there as, as a four three three, you know it's it's kind of subject to opinion. You you don't quite know what you're getting, obviously. Very you true. Know, they're not, they're not in the dressing room. They don't they don't see what tactical approach the squad are going to take. But obviously it um, you know it, it got quite a lot of people excited. Um. My primary issue with it is was that even though we did have, you know, for the majority of the game, three central midfielders on the pitch, we just seem to bypass the middle of the park so much. There's, there's such a predictable element to our to our approach in that we just look to the to the flanks, to the corridors all the time, and to to push the fullbacks on to to get the the wingers involved. That in such big games and. To me, always these top sides will always be our main rivals and always be those who we should aspire to be getting onto the tails of. In those such big games, the the middle, the battle in the middle of the park is essential. And when you look at the performances of Christian Eriksen and Tangai on Dombele, they their performances were just far superior to to our central midfielders. That they were just dominant on when in possession, really tidy on the ball and. I think for the for the bulk of the game, Spurs looked like the side that were most likely to score. Um, 
from the from the first half really, and I think I think David might have even tweeted about this that we our low block. It was just it was you know we didn't we didn't press aggressively. We respected them far too much and just didn't look didn't look likely of producing anything. Um, I would have liked to have thought that you know we, the approach was come out strong in that second half, make them head to head and look to create more goal scoring opportunities. Obviously, we didn't. Took took Deli Ali obviously opening the score and the injury to Andre Gomez. Them going down to ten men to to really kind of kick us into gear. But even then, coming up against the ten men, it was all kind of push it out wide and swing crosses into the box. Um, the quality of those crosses were varying, mm. to say the least. Um, I thought Luca Dean's half volley cross for for Tosin was probably the the pick of the bunch. It was a it was sensational, and the activity of Dean was was really, really good. But I still think we we showed, you know, we were really vulnerable at times, being caught out on the counter attack. Um, that being said, I do think the best player on the pitch was Yerry Mina. I think he put in a really another really solid performance, and so far for me, he's been our player of the season. Now, Terry, um, you've been very vocal. About about how Yerry Mina was not going to make it to the Premier League, so time to eat a little crow. <clears throat> Say, hey, I was wrong. It's okay, Terry. No, everybody knows you love him. You know, everybody knows you're going to change your name to Yerry McAllister. We know it's happening, and you may convince me to be Yerry Gibson. <laughs> All right. Uh, no, it, it, Mina looked strong. Holgate was out there with him. Holgate did not look. Did not look awful either. Did not look out of place. There was one play where it stuck out where I was like, <sighs> about Holgate, and we'll get there to that. But um, it's a it's a good developing partnership, though, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I agree. Terry, what did you think about uh, the way we lined up and the way uh, everything trans- transpired as far as on the pitch uh, with the actual football? Well, when I saw the lineup and it was four three three, I think like everyone else. You know, everyone's quite excited because we've been crying out for that for a while. But I think it was only four three three in in name only because when the match was actually played, it was four one four one. It was it, the two wide players of Awobi and Walcott weren't playing as forward players. They were playing as as wide midfielders. You know, set back. Now I, I know they need to defend, and I know that you know you can't just stay right high up the pitch against Spurs all game because you know out of form or not, Spurs are still a very good team, but. It was just Richarlison by isolated by himself for long spells. It was like this is this is not any difference to what we used to. Only usually we'd have a uh, you know Sigurdsson or someone who's up there with the striker as well, which is ineffective anyway. But it just wasn't a four-three-three for me. I was I was a bit disappointed in that. I was like I'm really looking forward to seeing how we got on. But I think the the personnel in that front three didn't really suit a front three. If you follow, like, it just didn't seem to. Didn't seem to be the reality, despite what it said on the uh, on the team sheet. Do you think it was a situation where Silva has been wanting to run a four three three for a while? Which we I feel like we all know that. Uh, so we, we've known Silva has been wanting to run four three three for a while. It's been in interviews and everything. But it, the the idea was, or a lot of people have said, uh, he just has not had the personnel. It's almost like he was like he got to a point where he was like, I'm not gonna go down. And lose my job without doing, without at least trying the formation that I want to try in the first place, regardless 
of personnel. So uh, that's or or there's this one little thing where maybe the graphic was wrong at the beginning, which it has. That's one of the things Max kind of alluded to a little bit because you never know when you see the graphic. I've seen it wrong before. However, <clears throat> my vibe is that I think he was trying. I think he was trying to get us. He's trying to get us toward that four three three, and we just haven't trained a lot at it, and we're not quite there yet. I think we have to emulate emulate some sort of change following that Watford performance, though. I don't think the the Watford performance in the week was anywhere near up to standard, and mm. there did have to be some uh, you know a different approach mm-hmm. in some aspect. Yeah, uh, yeah. I mean, I, I I have to agree with that. Uh, did it sound like I didn't think that? I'm sorry. <laughs> no, I, I'm definitely with you on that. Um, I guess it was the fact that it was everybody has said that this seemed to be a must win game or a big statement game for him and if we were to lose it everybody had pretty much decided he's probably uh, going down for it um, but, but and if I'm him and if I've wanted to in, implement a system for a while and he's like the time's not right the time's not right well if you feel like the time is it, there's it's either now or never then and I will say I didn't feel like Spurs got a ton of opportunities to score. They did not have a lot of clear looks. Their goal was a silly pass by Awobi, right? It was just, it was a silly pass. And they had uh, the one other opportunity, I'm sorry, Max, (laughs) but the one other opportunity that I saw was that really uh, sweet ball by Erickson that went like far post. You know the one I'm talking about that uh, Sanchez missed and I think, uh, was it Ben Davies who missed it? Somebody else missed it uh, right behind him. That was their other chance where I was like, that's a good shot. That was, that was solid. But there, it felt like what we had kind of limited a lot of their opportunities. True, but as I said, just in, that tra- in, the, in that counter-attack and transition, mm. not, ju- not just that singular game, just I think Spurs' reputation in general, that's where they punish teams. That's where mm. they are, you know, so, so clinical. Um, but as I said, yeah, we, we defended well, but... Up until they were down to ten men, I still think they had the the better of the chances. Mm. So, and we're looking the most likely to score. I'd say uh, we have to admit uh, we have to bring this up before I and I don't want to get into this too much because we'll get into it with our next segment when we talk about uh, refs and VAR. Um, we just have to, let me rattle through these guys. I'm gonna rattle through them because there's I think there's maybe there's maybe four different moments, three or four different moments, where I'm thinking, what the hell, VAR? Okay. Okay, he didn't hear me. So, uh, the thing with Son, on the breakaway, Mina comes down and kind of does this bizarre flop in front of him. There is a tiny bit of contact, but after the contact, Son very clearly can stay on his feet, but he throws himself to the ground. You can actually see the moment where he realizes, oh, there was contact. (gasps) Oh! And he does that. You can see it on his face, okay? And VAR watches it not once but twice, which was weird, okay? The fact that they watched it a second time is ridiculous. I don't understand why that's the case. Whatever, okay? Then you've got, there's a moment where, let's see here, the handball. Yeah, and that took about five to ten minutes yeah. to sort out, which was absolutely ridiculous. Ridiculous watching it live. And there, it's almost like they were trying to figure out a way to justify not making it uh, a penalty. 
You know what I mean? They're like, hold on, let's look for this obscure rule. Okay, here we go. Because there was something, it had something to do with what I heard is the fact that he was being pressured is, is the, is the, I, I, I got nothing, guys. That is what, that's why they said it wasn't a handball. And they didn't even get the best angle. Did you see where they were talking about on the NBC feed here? They showed a feed where it's very clear where it comes in. It's from behind, directly in front of the goal mouth. And you can see, and they said we've just we just confirmed that the VAR did not have access to that angle. Why? Okay, why? All right. The, ex- the explanation's absolutely pathetic. So if you're under a if you're under pressure in future, just volleyball spike the ball away. Yeah. Because you're under pressure. So if if someone's going up for a header with you, and they're trying to score, and you're a little bit shorter than them, just use your hand because you're under pressure. It's absolutely pathetic. Uh, and there's there's somebody else who was telling me, oh, uh, it says you can raise your hands if you're trying to protect your face. Deli Ali is a professional footballer. Is he worried about the ball hitting him in the face? If so, why is he a professional footballer? I'm just saying, is this a thing? Is this a thing we do now on corners? The the explanation of him being under pressure means he can handball it if he's under pressure. It's just laughable. And then uh, other people were saying, well, you know, it hit his shoulder first, so it doesn't count as handballs. Like, no, 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 that rule only applies if it's been deliberately hit into the player's hand. So if somebody, um, like the Champions League final, like that one wouldn't count anymore, I don't mm-hmm. think. Or if someone hits the ball into a hand deliberately to try and get a penalty, then that doesn't count. But Yerry Mina can't deliberately put that into his hand. Yeah. So there's just no way that couldn't that you know you can justify that not being a penalty they took three and a half minutes of replays to still get the wrong decision yeah, yeah. It, it, it makes well, no it's, sense it's, it's absolutely lovely. and i'll add another one just because i thought this was this was crap too uh richarlison near the very end turns plays the ball past i think is it sanchez again he's behind him and, he, and Sanchez very clearly makes contact with Richarlison. Now it's Richarlison. Let's just say this out loud because we have to acknowledge it. Richarlison fell down a lot, okay, during the whole game. I do think Sanchez was very physical with him that, you know, in a, in a lot of the times. And I think he made a point of being physical to throw Richarlison off, okay? But there was definitely contact. It was very clear he turned around and kicked Richarlison on the foot when he was through to goal. Or he was the very last. Sanchez was the last man. That's a better way to say it, I think. He may not have been through to goal. He may have been going toward the left side of the box. I was going to say, is that the, the phase of play where he knocked it around once, he knocks it around one side of the defender uh-huh. and, and tries yeah. to go around? That's, yeah. one, that's another one. That one was um, a potential penalty as well, where he sort of spins him and he takes him down like he sort of knees him in the thigh. Yeah, uh, uh, th- th- there's well, oh, that's a different one. The one, the spun one. Yeah, that yeah, one too. That's four yeah, plays, forgot, which make no I, sense. I forgot about I forgot about the one you've mentioned where with the kick. Um, now it was obviously he's tried to play the ball, but you know, ac- being accidental doesn't mean it's not a foul. Like you know I don't, I mean? they didn't even <laughs> give a foul on that one. The one, the one that's if you're looking out if if you're looking out the window as you're driving and run someone over, well, you didn't mean it, but you just to run yeah. over. Well, you did. Yeah. <laughs> that, it's like honest to god it's so it's like three different incidents of VAR mm. there where it's gone against Everton and that's and just one game that's just one game one game and then, oh, and then it's just the week before where they 
overruled the referee to give a penalty because you know for sneezing by the Brighton striker. Just, I loved how I will say I love how Glenn Murray after that game said no that wasn't a penalty. The VAR is ridiculous right now. Glenn Murray. Did <laughs> <Get> your boy? <laughs> Only people who watch this will get that. That's okay. So or listen, you know. Um, but yeah. So anyway. Uh, you could tell the football wasn't great. Listen to what our highlights are. You know what I mean? Those are the moments. I mean, we'll say, though, our goal. Our goal was nice. Okay? That cross-field ball by Yerimina, who is a center back. Okay? A center back played that ball all the way across to Luca Dean, who, in stride, does not receive the ball, just <laughs> plays it back across one touch perfectly in line to to where one of two players could have headed it in both of them it's like their heads had they they, they were like their heads were like together as they like headed it in i thought calvert lewin had got it until i saw that angle from behind you saw jink tosin got it all right it was nice it was a really nice play mm, i'm not into that celebration though i was gonna ask that was the get, next bit of conversation i wanted to have man <laughs> get get the ball off the net run back restart Come on, I think that's where we differ in mentality to a lot of these top sides. You know, but there's a huge gulf there that you know I don't think it's going to get fixed anytime soon. But you know, start by fixing it. I disagree. I I, I understand where <laughs> I understand. I completely understand where that sentiment comes from. Normally, it, but they just watch their play. Uh, one of their teammates break his ankle. That like they literally passions are running so high. They. They even all said after the game it was hard to like you know concentrate. I couldn't concentrate watching it. Never mind if I was playing it. So I, you know, the the emotions are so like raw at that time. They've just all been around Andre Gomez, who's been stretched off and taken to hospital. They're all clearly, you know, shaken by that incident. The emotions just burst out of them. Now that we'll touch on it in a bit, there's other things that went on around the game mentality-wise that I'm not happy with, but I just think it's incredibly harsh to judge them for celebrating the way they did with five minutes left and whatnot. Under normal circumstances, yeah, what are you doing? Go get the ball. But with everything that went on, I'm like, I just can't... I can't be mad at them. I'm like, no, I I don't blame them for being like that. They must have been a massive relief to have got that goal after everything that had gone on. I understand understand some of them, but I also think there are certain players who were thinking get the damn ball and go. You know what I mean? Like, I think there were certain players who were thinking that, and I, you didn't see a lot of people saying, okay, cool, let's go. You didn't see really a lot of that. It was people coming up and, go, you know, they seemed happy, but, you know, so I, I, I feel like balance. It would have been nice to see one or, one or two players saying, guys, I'm happy, but let's go. You know what I mean? And the really crappy thing is that they're supposed to be adding time on from that kind of stuff anyway. They're supposed to be doing that, but because we're the ones who are celebrating and we're the ones who wanted the game to keep going, you know what I mean? There's supposed to be a stoppage of play for that kind of stuff. In terms, they're supposed to be adding that on. So, anyway, I I see both sides. I do. It's not one of those things. I'm not I'm not angry at them, but I do think there should have been a leader of some sort saying, "Guys, clear heads. Let's get it going." So this starts to get us into. Some interesting territory. Um, we've been dancing around it a little bit, but we should probably go ahead and discuss it because this this particular segment, this video, this 
whatever for the pod segment, uh, it could end up uh, ballooning enormously if we don't go ahead and start talking about it. I've uh, been dancing around a little while. Uh, Andre Gomez's an injury, what happened with him. Uh, the segue here being, um, well, how we reacted after our goal, uh, how we reacted after the injury. There's just a lot of stuff to discuss here. Um, so just to set the stage, uh, second half, I think midway through the second half, something like that, uh, Andre Gomez and Son Young-min are going for the same ball. Gomez, being a, uh, the bigger guy, kind of bumps Son off and catches him with an arm kind of to the nose and to the mouth, okay? Son goes down, no foul is called, okay? He's, he's clearly upset, annoyed, whatever. He goes out, and literally as soon as he gets back on, okay, it's very quick. Gomez ends up going after a ball, and Son just goes straight after him, takes his legs, okay? It's a revenge tackle. It's very clearly a revenge tackle, okay? It's, he, he is thinking, I am going to trip this guy. I'm going to take this guy down, and I want him to feel it. He does want him to feel it. The way he's followed through, he did want him to feel it. Now, everything else we'll talk about in a second. But he did that on purpose. He did foul him on purpose. Aria comes in as, Serge Aria, as Andre Gomez is falling forward and kind of catches him hard, physical, not not the worst foul in the world. It's not as premeditated as what Son was doing, but catches him, kind of throws Andre Gomez off. Andre Gomez's foot just kind of hangs limp. Okay? Um, it's nasty. It's awful. I'm not going to go into more detail about that. Uh, it's a dislocated, fractured ankle thing. Yeah, it's and he had surgery today. Um, and Gabomez, legit love you. Love you. Get healthy, man. All right? For real. Um, so, uh, as Son saw that, uh, he, he got very upset. And he did look devastated. He was crying. Um, that was the thing that happened. Aria looked upset, too. Um, he was consoled uh, by uh, Jink Tosin and by Seamus Coleman. Seamus Coleman went in the locker room later. Uh, one of the things people noticed was Luca Dean going straight up to the referee and getting in the referee's face, getting in, <laughs> and, and basically saying this should be worse. What is going on here? Um, very. Pochettino. What was that? Got a Pochettino. Too. Yeah. Okay. It was just differing reactions from different types of players. Okay. So uh, basically, what started as a yellow card for Son turned into a red. Uh, the only uh, the only thing that I can think of is that VAR reviewed it and decided that the tackle, the pre- premeditated version of it, and the fact that Homie broke his leg or broke his ankle uh, made it a red. I don't know. It, 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 that was a strange sequence of events too. The refereeing there was was odd. Trying to put it piece it together. So I'm going to start with Terry and let Terry. There's, there's just a lot to discuss here, a lot to unpack. Um, but Terry. Where do you want to start with this? Because I've seen a lot of different angles, and I know how I feel about it. Um, but I want to hear what you guys have to say, and we'll we'll go from there. Well, um, Hyungmin Son hasn't meant to injure him. 
but he's meant to do him and he's caused the injury. Mm-hmm. So I've got no sympathy for him. He can cry all he likes. He's crying because he's guilty because he's like, oh, my revenge tackle has that. You know, I didn't plan on it doing that. He knows he's done, he shouldn't have made that tackle. That's why he's so distraught. He's like, he comes back on the pitch, charges 20 yards to catch Gomez. Go, I'm going to get him. Obviously, he doesn't want to break his ankle. He's not him who's caused it, but he's literally must be thinking afterwards, going, I didn't need to do that, and look what it's done. That's why he's inconsolable. He's guilty because he knows he, what he's done. He's caused it. And, you know, he's at least guilty because of his petty, petulant little, you know, snide revenge tackle. And Sergio Aria is just a brainless yard dog who's just as a fault. I, it shows how inept the referee is that he's going to take out the yellow card and then changes his mind when he sees the result of the in, the resulting injury and sends him off. I think Tottenham are going to appeal the um, the yellow card, which is just pathetic on their part. It, it's not a it, he's in danger the fellow professional. He's he's caused the injury, so well, I think he's right to go. Say Joria should have went as well because he's abs- He's the more at fault than Son. Son's the instigator, but he's the uh, he you know. Aurier is the, the main, I don't know, sort of guilty can party. You, can you describe what he did? I was unclear because I didn't, They every time I looked at it, I couldn't get a clear look at what he was, what Aurier actually did. It looked like he just sort of stopped his progress, but clear that up for me. It was it was both, they were like, it was scissor emotions from both of them to me. They, yeah. They, hmm. Yeah. Don brings him down, and then as Gomez is in, you know, sort of fall. He's sort of fallen from that tackle. He's got his foot planted, and then Aurier comes in for the loose ball that Gomez has relinquished through the Son tackle, and just with full force, just crunches into Gomez, who's in fallen mode. But his foot's planted, so he just smashes into his standing foot, and then obviously that has caused the you know the fracture and the dislocation. So the two of them together, whilst there's no malicious intent to injure on either part, one from being petty and petulant and one from being just thick and stupid, have conspired to break another um, professional's ankle. So, And it was even, of all people, Mark Lappenberg who said today in the press that the two of them should have gone, never mind, Son should oh. have been sent off. The two of them should have been off the pitch immediately because they, you know, they both endangered a fellow professional with just stupid play. So I've got no sympathy for Son. He, you know, he, oh, he's, he's upset and he's crying. Good, good. He's petulant little snide tackle because he caught a flailing arm in the face. Whilst not intentionally, he didn't intentionally cause, he never intentionally injured the other player. He's caused the injury. It's, it's, it's again, it, it's as if it's like, it's, you know, he's not guilty of murder, but he is guilty of manslaughter. His actions have caused that injury to happen. So I've got zero sympathy for Son. And Aurea, I think, um, because of the the reluctance of the TV, you know, stations to repeat the the incident, because if always freezes before he's involved, because that's where the impact is. Aurea, for the most part, has gone a little bit under the radar at the minute mm. for how involved he was, because a lot of the replays don't show him. It's just focusing on Son's tackle, but the two of them are a pair of absolute path- jokes in my book. They're absolutely pathetic. The two of them, Max. I know you don't have a lot of opinions on this, so I'll just move on. Uh, no, he's he's brimming with opinions. I I saw his Twitter and uh, yeah, it's 
can yeah, I go uh, through go through a little bit about how you're feeling? And I want to ask you a little bit more also about how you feel about Coleman's reaction, Jink Tosin's reaction, and all that, because that is a whole different realm of conversation on this. Well, something rather interesting about it, I thought that if I was sat where I usually sit for home games, that would have happened right in front of me. Mm-hmm. Um, I've, I've been there for several serious injuries like that. I was at Newcastle away in 2009, where I think Victor and each of you broke his leg, and when Mikel Arteta did his ACL. I was there when James McCarthy broke his leg against Esperon. Yeah. It's it's a it's a horrible thing to experience. I think the the result just pales into insignificance. Um, but yeah, I, I lost a hell of a lot of respect for Tottenham Hotspur Football Club, and in particular, Son and Aurier. It, it's not the eighties anymore. You, you can't get away with challenges like that. Mm. You can't go in like you know. You see the likes of Peter Reid and Pat Van Den going in with challenges like that back in the eighties. Come on, it, that is just absolutely pathetic. It's it's reckless, and uh, as Terry said, it, it endangers another fellow professional. Um, you, you can even see the the look on his face when he when he when he lunges in. The you know it's reckless, it's careless, and the the resultant challenge is just absolutely devastating. Um, as sad as it is, obviously the events are transpiring. Firstly, anyone but Andre Gomez, and I know it, it might sound bad to to put it this way, but particularly you know you look. Just the story of his career for me, obviously the kind of the fallout that he had at Barcelona, where he's out of sorts and he come over here looking to find a new home. But he's an he's an absolute hit with the you know Everton in the community, all the work that he does, uh, the whole stuff. Just little things like that. He's endeared himself to the supporters massively, and I think in terms of the stylistic development of this team, he has been a huge part of that. In terms of you know bringing just a bit of flair to the side. Um, as we mentioned, the, you know the contesting the formation. He's he's a starter in whatever midfielder that we play, mm-hmm. in whatever midfield that we start. He's he's the you know he's the number one starter. And for it to happen to him, I am absolutely gutted. And as someone who's spent a, a spell on the sidelines due to injury, nowhere near as severe as him, but a couple of months is bad enough. The you know that rehab and that physio process is going to be really really hard for him. And I I do wish him all the best. Yeah, having. Having experienced the ACL a few years ago, I haven't played competitively since. Now, I don't have the same mm. rehab that Gomez will have. He has a totally different type of injury. And for me, I don't have to play. It's not my livelihood. You know what I mean? I'm just some video guy. You know, for me, I'm not playing because I want to make sure I can play with my kids. You know what I mean? Him, it's his livelihood, though, isn't it? It's his identity. You know, it's his life. This is how he makes, this is how he, fee, he'll, he would, I mean, I don't know if, if he's got like a family or whatever, but if he did, that's how he'd feed them. I mean, this is, yeah. And for it to be taken away like this, especially at a time where he had already had a little injury, but he, but he came over trying to, you know, he's getting constant time now. He's getting consistency. He's building consistency. He's bringing up his confidence. And for this kind of crap to happen is just, it's nauseating. Um, yeah, my wife, we were. T- it's it's yeah. sickening, isn't it? It's horrible. You know, my wife is talking about, you know, finally somebody gets their shit together and then something like that happens. You know what I mean? It's just, it's mm. just, it's, it's some tragic shit. Sorry, my, my kid's out of the room now. I'm just dropping shits. Just happening. Uh, but, but yeah, it's awful. 
okay? Um, now, having said that, I don't want to sit there and act like I, I don't. I hope I'm not part of. You don't consider me part of the problem here, guys. Uh, but I, I will say I have a little bit more sympathy for the Spurs players than you guys do. Um, but I get why you say what you say. You know what I mean? I'm not in the business of telling people. I think I, I you've explained what you have what you think on this, and I I don't, I can't argue that. You know what I mean? I just have a certain you know, when I saw what Coleman's reaction was, I was thinking, that's a guy who's been on the other end of it. And for some reason, he feels it necessary to go over and, and try to make somebody feel better about it. Uh, so I don't have, I'm not, I'm not angry at Jink Tosin or, or with Coleman, but I get I, I understand, uh, you know, because I mean, gosh, we were we have our message group on Twitter where we talk about this. A lot of people were not happy with them kind of mm. consoling song. Coleman going to the locker room afterward. Jink Tosin being that that guy he is, um, and that's the thing. It's almost that's who they are. Now, is that indicative of? just human behavior or does that have anything to do with mentality about how you pro, uh, approach professional football serious question because i don't know the answer i i think you've obviously it's you know it's a subjective case mm -hmm. uh, i'd just like to reiterate like seamus coleman has always come across as like the humanitarian of the group like alongside Leighton baines of this current squad they're up there you know the two of the nicest professionals mm -hmm. That I've ever met. You know, obviously, as you said, Jerry, you, you factor in Seamus Coleman's previous experience, mm -hmm. um, him seeing a good mate in James McCarthy yeah. suffer a similar fate. Again, it, it is just that humanitarian approach from Coleman. I'll hold my hands up and say this is me being tribal. This is you know this is my tribalism coming through. You know, like Fabian Delph said after the game, he's one of our brothers. Something like that happens. I, I'm like I'm like Luca Dean in that mm -hmm. situation. I get in people's faces. Uh, I, I take the aggressive approach to it. it again, it, it's all subjective down to individual yeah. And if anything, I think you know you've got to you've got to praise Cheng Tosin massively for the way he's navigated through the situation to to come off the bench. All the players to go on to score, you know, a ninety seventh minute equaliser. Uh, that's brilliant from the man. Uh, and, you know, kudos for that. But as I said, I have lost a hell of a lot of respect for Tottenham Football Club, Tottenham Hotspur Football Club, following that. Terry, you, do you have anything on that same co that same uh, conversation, the same topic? N not really. I mean, I understand people have got different opinions on on Coleman's um, sort of course of action afterwards. But I, I, my view of it is. Who, who, who are we to tell Seamus Coleman how to react to something like that when he's had his own he's been lying on the floor with a horrendous leg break so whether it's down to oh I think he should have done this I think he should have done that we don't know like I know what I think I, you know, I've got pretty strong feelings about the situation but I'm, I'm not going to sit here and say well Coleman should have done this this that or the other how the hell do I know uh, he, he, he's it's easy to forget as well. A lot of the a lot of the Everton squad 
are young players. Like there's a lot of young players in the team, and or you know even like you know, 23 year olds or some of the older players. So the likes of Coleman, the likes of Tosin, who are a little bit older, they're the ones who are gonna you know conduct themselves and show the young players how they think they should be. They should carry themselves in situations like that. And I just as I alluded to before, there were some things that happened around the um, the whole game mentality wise, which. Uh, I had a problem with um, touch on that in a minute, but it's um, that that wasn't one of them. I, I I I I'm more in the Luca Dean, you know, sort of emotional camp, but I can't, you know, I can't be angry at Seamus Coleman because what? Well, how can I, you know, understand what he understands? So I I was fine with it really, even though I was very angry about Tottenham and about the players involved. I don't really. I, I'm gonna have to just stay. Uh, you know about to uh, to his experience on this one. He knows now. Yeah, I I was very conflicted, and you know what actually helps a lot is we're not on social media right now. We're actually having a conversation about it. I mean, Max Max very clearly was like, "Look, I am. I, this is why I'm feeling like this. This is a tribal thing for me." You know, and the fact that uh, these are kind of things that don't come out all the time in a tweet. You know what I mean? They don't come out. I can sit there and I can hear what Terry has to say. I can hear what Max has to say. They can hear what I have to say. And we we can kind of come to an understanding because we're seeing each other's reactions. We're hearing each other's voices. And there's no time limit. There's not There's not a character limit. You know what I mean? So we can actually communicate through yes. this. Um, chances are, after a conversation like this, we're all we're all pretty much in this, in, close to being in a similar spot. You know? Except now we understand other people's mm-hmm. points of view even more, you know. Um, so yeah, no right or wrong answers on this kind of stuff. This is life, you know. Um, so, yeah. So uh, Terry, I think you have one more thing you said you wanted to mention about the game. You said there was something else surrounding the game you wanted to mention, and that would be like this. May be the last thing we have on this because this has been Herculean. This 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 segment is massive. So yeah, I, I won't I won't drag it out. But um, you know, amongst all the you know, they should have reacted like this, or they should have reacted in a different way. They should have got the ball instead of celebrating. The one thing that really pissed me off was Marco Silva about the VAR. It's like, and I you know me, I'm not one who's I've not been you know anti Silva very much at all, and I'm even only you know you know tacitly slowly getting a bit like that now you know well behind everyone else but come on mate I mean that's two games in a row with VAR not to do with the injury but just VAR has absolutely screwed us two weeks in a row and he comes out and he says we need to respect the VAR decisions like no you don't you're going to lose your job and that's going to be a big part of it where you could have won against Brighton and you could have won against Tottenham and then your job is Practice. If he if he wins those two games, that means he gets what four wins in a row. He's turned the form completely around, then, and then people, the questions about him go away mm-hmm. in a big way. I, I, and frankly, even in a non-specific Marco Silva way, no. Why should we? This is the problem. Other clubs, bigger clubs, rage against injustices against them, and they stop getting them as much. And Silva turns around, just meekly sort of goes, oh, well, we need to respect the VAR. Why? 
we could have had two penalties today. We got given a penalty against us last week, which was for a phantom foul. It, I just don't want that. I'm, <sighs> I just don't want that from a manager. I want, I, you know, I'm not one to easily go in on Marco Silva, but it's like, no, I, that's not an Everton manager, mate. I want you to, I want you to rage against those things. I want you to when we when there's <coughs> injustices against us from referees, you to say something. I want you to to fight against it and. Because it'll just carry on. We're a soft touch. Referees will will give things <coughs> against us easily when the manager's got nothing yeah. to say about it. It's just naive. I mean, I'm raging. You guys are raging. We're all we're all so raging. I, we all want to <laughs> say, you know, fuck you. I won't do what you tell me. You yeah. know what I mean? <laughs> I mean, I, 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 thought, I thought it was a bit harsh on the players celebrating instead of getting the ball given the circumstances. I didn't agree with personally with the, everything Coleman did but who am I to tell him he knows more than I do but that one no I just can't yeah, I, I've been just saving pissed. some of my VAR rage for the next segment that is and, and not even VAR rage ref rage it's not just VAR it's the dumbasses who are working with it so we're going to talk about that next segment guys let's close this one out um so that's it for our uh, extra time for Spurs. Uh, so let's just dive right in. Let's just, I don't know. I feel like every podcast in the world has covered this. We're covering it as well because we have to, we have to throw our, we have to cast our lot here. Uh, so, VAR refereeing in the Premier League. Uh, VAR has been been shitty so far. Okay, that's just the best way to say it. I see. I, I was begging for VAR last season after we got screwed out of points repeatedly. Okay, and I think later on they did like a a survey of or they did a study of the unluckiest team in the Premier League, and we were. I think we won that one. <laughs> I think it was we were really unlucky, and a lot of it had to do with stupid refereeing decisions, like Martial, uh, you know, throwing himself to the ground and giving Man Manchester United a, a penalty and then them winning because of that. So I was begging for VAR last year, begging for it. I, I thought let's get the calls right. I just want to. I just want. I just want the game to go the way it's supposed to go. You know what I mean? I just, uh, sorry if someone's off sides. I want them to. I, I don't want their goal to count. So I am cool with VAR. I watch Bundesliga MLS. I watch Mexican Liga MX. They have VAR, okay? And they usually get the calls right. Even if sometimes, like in Mexican League, it takes like a fortnight for the call to come in, all right? But they get the calls right. How, how are we still having VAR in the Premier League and we're not getting the calls right still, okay? So that's what we've talked about before. I feel like all of us at one time or another, me, you, you, Jerry, Terry, Max, we talk about how VAR isn't really the problem, it's the implementation of it. It's who's in control of it. It's the interpretation of it. It's how it's being used. It's a tool, all right? It's a tool. If you're using a hammer as a screwdriver, shit's not going to work, all right? It is a tool, all right? And it's not being used properly. So... Should we talk about how it gets better, why it's not working, 
Why? What? It, what is this? Because to be honest with you, it reminds me of someone. Let me give a political example here, guys. Apologies, I never talk politics. American politics. Barack Obama was was the president and wanted to bring Medicare for everybody. Okay, wanted to bring wanted to bring uh, uh, you know benefits, medical benefits for everybody, and then. The Republican side of the Congress was like, no, we don't want that. So we're going to put all these barriers in it so that your Obamacare thing is not going to work the way you want it to. So then when it was implemented, everybody complained. So guess what? It didn't work because the people who put the rules in there, it didn't get implemented the way it was supposed to be implemented. So of course it didn't work. Okay? How is that different than this scenario? All right? I think there's people at the Premier League who don't want VAR, period. All right? Period. And so they're doing it in this stupid way. So honestly, I saw a poll that the Toffee Blues put out. 90% of people are against VAR. That's what they want. Right? I think you've got it. So anyway, I'm going to stop talking. Max, I'll go off. I'm pissed. Sorry. you've (laughs) You've got to put that poll in the context of Sunday's game, obviously it's come out on a Monday following mm-hmm. a game where we've mm-hmm. rarely been screwed over by it. But Jerry, you failed to name drop Mr. Martin Atkinson's com- <laughs> completely incompetent performance as a referee. <laughs> and as someone who works with under 18s, this is something that is just inherent in English football from the quality of refereeing is absolutely atrocious. Okay. We're from. You're good. Sorry, I lost you for a second, Max. But keep going. I think I understood what you were saying. Yeah, the the standard of refereeing from the ground up is just absolutely atrocious. Um, for me, I got my first red, first red when Alex Iwobi was given his yellow card. Um, obviously, the I, I can't for sure. Obviously, as I say, the, I feel like the the incident with Gomez has just overshadowed the entire. Game to be fair, but I think a challenge happened where Alex Iwobi's ended up getting booked. But on the screen, it's popped up checking for red card, and it, it wasted a couple of minutes. And from the, from the fan experience, from you know the fan experience, the the live spectacle, it just takes the soul out of the game. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just it's really really monotonous, and I feel like. In order to render it just, you've got to show. I mean, you're always going to have the, the devil's advocate almost is that if a decision is wrong and they show it on the screen for fans to see, you're just going to have a complete revolt. But I think it's just something that you've got to roll with. For example, the handball is just, you know, it's clear and obvious. They talk about, as I said, five to ten minutes to make their mind up that it wasn't a penalty. Surely to God, if you're reviewing an incident, for so long, it, it it was a penalty, just stone. Uh, but just to revert back to Mr. Martin Atkinson, this and correct me if I'm wrong, Terry. For me, I think Evertonian's beef with Atkinson goes back to 2012 with that card against Rodwell in the in the Merseyside derby. I don't know if there's any instances before where we've kind of flagged them as a as a dodgy referee to have in game, but. The man just failed to have control over the game. Was Atkinson the referee during that match with City when yeah. 
when the ball went across the goal line and Sterling passed the bat ball back across and they scored off of it. The semi and the League Cup. Yeah, final. and yeah. he had an argument with Jagielka, and Jagielka was talking about how he was just flat-out arrogant. And, yeah, and Atkinson was just like, pfft, like wouldn't take him seriously at all during the conversation. So it was him. And then, yeah, and to, to tie this in with your VAR, I think it was Andy Taylor on the other side. In oh, charge God. Of adjudicating the VAR. And from a refereeing perspective, if a ref- if the, you know, the official in charge of the match is actually in the flesh, the referee doesn't believe it's a penalty. Nine times out of ten, your mate on the other side of that screen in charge of the VAR won't want to question your competence as a referee. So, yeah. you know what I mean? So, in in that way, you're always going to, you know, you've got, you know, you can highlight this in many different forms in terms of how many different things in football and culture favour the top sides in the league. Sorry, the, you know, this top six that's emerged. Always, throughout throughout time, refereeing decisions have always been in favour or swung towards those bigger clubs. Obviously, Tottenham are in the, the VAR decisions favoured them without a shadow of a doubt. We should have had a, a Stonewall penalty. Um, and, yeah, uh, particularly after that, that Brighton result as well, which really was sickening. By the way, everybody, if you're if you're not if you're noticing that some of Max's audio or video seems a little uh, clipped or glitchy or off, it's because uh, we we feel like it we want to blame his Wi-Fi. That's what that's what we're thinking is the problem because Terry's 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 coming through okay, okay and and sadly I am as well. Uh, we hate that it's Max, <laughs> but oh well. Uh, it's like if you want one to be glitchy, it should be the American. Uh, so, uh, but anyway, I, Terry, um, I mean, how are you feeling about all this? I mean, I, I'm scared to like talk about it again because I don't want to just sit there and go off and not leave room for other people to speak. So what do you have on this? Because uh, I feel like we're all on a pretty similar page here at this point, but it also feels really hopeless. Uh, I mean, I was one of the people like yourself who was really up for VAR, and I still am. But mm-hmm. no one, no one in their like you know hopeful, naive you know days before it came in, really and you know factored in the the fact that the referees in this country are absolutely embarrassingly bad. There's a reason none of them went to the World Cup when it was on to referee any games when. Uh, I think it was the previous World Cup or the one before where an English referee refereed the final. It's gone downhill so badly over the last few years, and it wasn't even great to begin with. But honestly, this season, it's just, it, it, all VAR has done has shown even starker light on how poor the officials are. Like there's, there's things they're getting wrong. There's, I mean, it's not just us. I mean, Liverpool, Man United. When there's a you know there's an incident with Origi and the refs leaving it to VAR, but the VAR leaving it to the refs, so no decision gets made. There's one where you know the accused um, Jack Grealish are diving in the build-up to a goal when it clearly wasn't, and, and he ruled out the goal. There's you know Gerard Delafeu, you know he's, he's brought down in the box. I think that was against Tottenham as well. No penalty. The next week, they the very first you know Sod's Law, the very first incident of the, the VAR overruling a referee was against Everton when there was a nothing incident and they gave Everton the gave a penalty against Everton against Brighton 
this one where they've Everton should have had two penalties in the game and they've not given it when they've got access to replays. That that handball one, they had th- that is embarrassing. They've got three and a half minutes of you know pausing the game to look over that repeatedly and they still get it wrong. It's yeah, that is so. That's amateur. It's like it's the best league in the world with the worst officials in the world. Like VAR is just a tool. It's not, you know, it's just a piece of software, a piece of kit that they can use. But because now the decisions they get wrong, they shouldn't be getting wrong, but they still are. It's showing how poor they are. Like at least without VAR, you, you know, they could have plausible deniability or go, oh well, it was I didn't have that replay. It was it happened too quick and. Bloody blah, blah. So now oh, they're still getting just as much wrong, but you, you know, they've got no excuse to now, and they're probably getting even more wrong because they're reviewing things. And so, honest to God, they they they're ruling out offsides for an armpit, and I'm not entirely against that because, you know, if if you're if you're an inch, you're offside. It's really really strict, and it feels really harsh at the time. I understand that hasn't happened to us yet, but it will. It it feels really sickening when that happens to you, but it's the subjective call things. The the it's like ha- the biggest case in point is that handball. No matter who you support, the player's got his hand. Deli Ali has got his hand above his head in an unnatural position, and he handballed it away. And their excuse for why it wasn't given after three and a half minutes of replays with not all the footage as you touched on which is just laughable in itself is that he's under pressure when it happens so if you're under pressure you can just punch the ball away you can do the mm. hand of God if you're under pressure just volleyball spike it and it'll go it's like is that for real is that a reason why it's just it's and they never come out and admit they've made a mistake it's a big boys no, club they never ever acknowledge they've made a mistake they've made clear errors in this this Everton game Everton Spurs They've made a multitude of errors. Mark and Atkinson should be, frankly, demoted into the lower leagues for a while. After and, that and, and apparently the FA was totally cool, thought he did a great job, and he's doing his normal thing this weekend. Yeah, I think he's doing um, Newcastle Bournemouth. So that what's that tell you? It's just it's a big boys club where they look after each other and they don't like don't acknowledge they've made mistakes. Honest to God, it, it, it's it's it, it's I've said it. I'm just risk of repeating myself, which is unlike me, I know, but. I mean, it's embarrassing. It's completely embarrassing. VAR is not the problem, but it's it, the referees are probably made up that VAR's taking the blame for it. They're going, ah, oh, everyone yeah. hates VAR, it's killing the game. It's like, no, 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 it doesn't kill the game in Germany. It doesn't kill the game elsewhere. Mm-hmm. Look at the way it worked in the World Cup. It was fine. Yeah. But where can, do I, think- can, can I raise the point, right? Do we think that if you've got the monitors touch side, that that re- would resolve a lot of the issues? They have it. They have it. They're only never, they, no, they they supposedly yeah yeah that's the thing. They never look at them. They have to be recommended to go look at it. Supposedly they have the monitors there. They right. showed it on on Saturday on Sunday. They showed okay. the monitor by the field. And yeah. how would you know? How would you know it's there as a as a as a fan? I was gonna say this. This comes off. I think I, I I'm not unsure of his name. Uh, Monaco's right back. I think he must have got sent off or something. Volleys, VAR. Oh yeah, the, I saw that. On the way yeah. out. So, yep. Yeah, it's a it's a hot topic at the moment. Isn't it? Man, the way it worked in, in the World Cup was, um, you know, the, the 
the guy, you know, the remote guy in the ear of the referee says, oh, you may have missed something there, you might want to go and look at it, and then he'll go over and look at it and make the call there, like going, okay, I've had a look, I didn't see that, that's the call, I'm still refereeing the game, I've just got a little assistant in my ear, who's the audio equivalent of raising a flag to alert me to something I haven't seen, same way a linesman does, but what we've got is an extra referee, unaccountable in a on an industrial park somewhere in a big van who makes the decision for the referee it's like and then I'm just very quickly this idea a few of the pundits um, at the on Sky Sports were suggesting oh we need to get ex-footballers oh, involved no. in the band like no I'm afraid not you got uh, that oh well ex-footballers think that ex-footballers should be involved in those decisions no just get better referees I don't think adding an absolute lemon like Danny Murphy or Tim Sherwood is going to help the situation because look at look at the pundits and then you tell me you want them making decisions in big games because you'll just get the same bias shite excuse me that you get it from them when it's they the commentate it would be the they... same thing man because the, the ex, ex players are the ones who banned Neos for a couple of games but didn't do anything about Martial didn't warrant anything yeah. okay it's yeah. the same problem I mean, I, invest it, it makes me not like English football. It makes me think that it's deep. It's really deep in this bias. It, it is. It's, it's it, awful. It makes me feel like we just need to go us against the world and have that mentality. You know what I mean? Yeah. That's why I, I was upset with Silver That's for that reason. It's like, oh, we're just, we're just literally you know, bending over when these things happen yeah. by not complaining. I agree. I want to see some rage there. I feel like he'd actually win some points with the supporters if he'd show a little rage. We're enraged. You know what I mean? I'm sick of this continually happening to us. You know, because mm-hmm. luck is one thing. This ain't luck. This is not luck. This has nothing to do with luck. All right? This is not luck. L- bad luck happens when the ball bounces the wrong way. Can't do anything about that. You know? Mm-hmm. But this is like, this is past that. You know what? I don't think it's the reason why our team isn't doing as well this season. Okay? I think there's been a lot of reasons, football-based stuff, that we could work on. Okay? But this is stupid. This is a stacked deck. This sucks. This is not football. I'm just saying it shouldn't be anyway. On the accountability issue that, that Terry oh, raised, point. I'm not. I'm not a fan of rugby, and you couldn't get me to sit down and watch it. But I've been told. There's a transparency there through referees in rugby that football could learn a lot from. In that mm. decisions that are made are, you know, to say one of the in part one of the huge issues with VAR is that it just takes away from the live spectacle, mm. and you're a spectator in the stadium, watching, waiting for so long, as Teddy said, for some fella sitting in an industrial park mm. in a van to make a decision, which is you know. Uh, as it seems, a, cost, a, a toss of a coin, a coin that it's going to be right or wrong. It, as a live spectacle, mate, it rarely does ruin it. Yeah, I, I just, I think we've been, we've been given a crap version of VAR. I think that's what we've been given. That's what we've been told to do. Uh, for the longest time, you heard that the bigger clubs were against VAR. They didn't want it happening. The big six didn't want VAR happening. You want to know why? Well, it's obvious why. There's a bias refereeing-wise. But now, you still have it. It's still there. So they're like, oh, you, sh- yeah, we'll give you VAR. You know, it's like, we'll give you this. Yeah, have it. You know, and it's not. 
It's not a genuine review. It's not transparent, the way you're talking about, Max. There is no transparency here. It's, it, is, it is just a way for them to conceal the exact same stupid decisions and then point to some magic person behind the curtain and say, they did it. They said this is cool. All right? And they're keep, or, or the magic person behind the curtain says, oh, that was a foul. He stepped on his toe. You know what I mean? It's, uh, sorry, I, the whole thing is infuriating. I don't know what's, because it makes me not, it makes me not trust anything. Is this the way I'm supposed to be? Seriously, is this the way I'm supposed to be about Premier League guys or about English, English football? Is, is this, are you, are you guys already like that and I'm just late to the party? Yeah, I've been like this for years. Of course you are. Huh. Dad, it. That's all I need is to get more cynical about the world. So that's all this is, everybody. It's a reality check. The FA is corrupt. It's a bunch of bullshit. Get used to it. Let's take on the world. Done. Is that right? Is that the way it is, guys? Yeah. That's about right. That's bleak as hell. That's that's Jerry Springer's, you know, thought of the day. Final <laughs> the, thought. The final yeah. thought is the FA is corrupt. It's not going to change. Deal with it. Sorry, Everton. You will be made an example. You will be Exhibit A on every new rule. Everton, you will be it. Yeah. Cool. All right. It made me angry, Jerry. <laughs> angry and tired. <laughs> You've been waiting to drop that. All right. <laughs> Let's move on, guys. I, I, we Ranting. Ranting will probably continue after we cut, but just saying. It, uh, all right. So anyway, uh, well, uh, we'll see what happens. Nothing's changing with VR, VAR anytime soon, and if anything, they'll just take it away, and we'll go back to the same corrupt BS we had before. That's what I say. Fart noise. Uh, so, uh, in Atkinson, Max disapproves. Just saying. Yeah, he nodded. If you're listening, Marty. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages, it's time for If You Know Your History, the Everton-based quiz segment that pits Terry against Max in a Toffee's cage match of wit and might. Almost blew that. So uh, so here's the deal, guys. I have a, a match from the past in my hand right here. Uh, so you guys will just tell me the starters, the starting 11 from this match. Uh, let me double-check the date on it really <clears throat> quick to make sure I can tell you the year. Um. Uh, oh yeah, this is a what? Not that far. Not that long ago, actually. All right. Okay, so we are ready to go. Um. So uh, I have the coin. The real plastic coin is back in the house. Brought it back to the office. So Max, since you uh, it's, it's you've been one you're the one who's been away for the longest. If you will call it in the air, that is heads, that is tails. What do you got? Heads. Heads for you, it is heads. What do you want? Second. Second. Okay, Terry. Uh, we should say insert edgy, intense quiz music. 
There you go. So edgy, so intense. Ah, we're all very nervous now. So, the match. Europa League, first leg. July 27th, 2017. MFK Ruzumbaric, Ruzumbaric against Everton. Final score was Everton 1, Ruzumbaric 0. And I believe that was Europa League third round? Yes, qualifying third round. Okay? So, Terry, if you will name me a player that either started or was subbed in. Leighton Baines. Leighton Baines is correct. There's one down. Max. Adrissa Gay. Adrissa Gay is correct as well. Terry. Wayne Rooney. Wayne Rooney is correct. Um... No, I've just kind of put that season into the, the deep dark crevices. You know what I mean? I think this might be why it was picked. Um, Jagielka. Jagielka. Congratulations, Terry. <laughs> he was a sub on the bench, but did not. Okay. Um, I went to this game, so I remember it quite well. So. Really? All right, well then give me the rest of them. Uh, TV Klassan. Correct. I know you loved him. I did. Um, I don't know why, but I did. Um, Kuka Martina. Kuka Martina. That's another one. Michael Keane. Michael Keane, yes. Jordan Pickford. No. Speck. He was on the, he, he was on the bench. Stack started. Lundberg. Um Ashley Williams. Ashley Williams started. Did we have Vlasic at this point or no? If we did, he was not in. No, I don't think we did. No, we did okay. not. No. He okay. played against us in the next round for Spurs. Yeah, yeah. Split, yeah, and we signed him off that, yeah. Um, so who else? We've got Jessica. Sigurdsson. Um, Sig. No, he hadn't signed yet either. Mm. No. no. Who, who's he, who did he score from the halfway line against? That was Split. Oh, that was yeah. Split, yeah. In the uh, right. Sandro, did he play? Sandro came in at the 61-minute mark for another player you have not named yet. Uh, Calvert-Lewin. That is the who he came in for. Yeah, uh, he played on the right of an air 4-2-3-1, and he was as good as you can imagine he would be. Um, <laughs> so we, we've got the back four, we've got the keeper, um, Klassan and Gay... Rooney ahead of them, Calvert-Lewin on the right, and... Ooh. Morales? Yes, Kevin yeah. Morales. He started. Rooney, I, th- I think Rooney may have started up front, actually. Um, so who was the extra player? Here. Was Tom Davies? Midf- it was a midfielder. Tom Davies came in in the 86th minute. Morgan Schneiderlin? Schneiderlin yeah. is the other player. That is correct. And Davies had come in for Klaassen. So there's one other sub who came in at the 82nd minute mark. Minute 82. Came in for Kevin Morales. Let me think. Who got the goal, by the way? With the I'm trying to think. Couple of He's right. He's right. Bain scored in the 65th minute. 
by a long distance one and ricocheted in. Who was the other sub though? Um, uh, on the bench, who did not play, uh, Mason Holgate, Gareth Barry, Jordan Pickford, Jagielka, uh, and the ones who played were Sandro Davies and this player, who came in for Kevin Morales. Think about that position. Um, James McCarthy? No. Left midfield. Left or right midfield. Yeah, this this player came in to play on the wing. Look, man. There he is. There he is. Why did we even sell him? Yeah, he's gone and he's not. He's hardly playing for Leipzig. Jesus, could you see the highlights? Uh, no, I recorded it though, so I'm going to watch that game. I, we, we record like all the Bundesliga games because we don't. We usually watch Premier League when they're happening, so um, I'll get to that one. All right, so uh, Terry, congratulations. Max, you remembered some of this, but just not yeah, in the right I, order. <laughs> that, that, that campaign, mate, I, I, genuinely I can't even remember it, whether or not I even went the game. Uh, mm. I just kind of lumped them qualifiers in. And together, to be honest with you. Gotcha. And I, I do as well, and I get that. Um, but uh, I wouldn't sweat it. It's pretty vague, this one. Uh, Terry, congratulations. I'm sure that you are s scrolling through your Spotify as I speak, but uh, your your reward, your, your gold medal, is to pick the track that we uh, wrangle out to. Finishing the pod, what do you pick, sir? Uh, I'm going to pick... Just Breathe by Pearl Jam. It's just a good song. Just Breathe by Pearl Jam. It's not... I've got no story as of why. I just like the song, and it's not the the biggest Pearl Jam hit, which is Even Flow, and everyone knows. Is Just Breathe on that same... Is it on the 10 album? I don't know. It's on my album. It's on, it's on my Spotify playlist. <laughs> It's uh, okay because I was gonna say I don't know that by title, but I might know it if I heard it. And I know a lot of Pearl Jam, but uh, that Pearl Jam Ten album is the one that's got Even Flow on it and Jeremy on it. Uh, the one the, I feel like it's the one that everybody has. Uh, so yeah, but Just Breathe. I wonder if I've heard that. Hold on, let me see if I can do what John told me to do, which is look oh, it up. Back, Backspacer is the album from two thousand and nine. Or is that a? Yeah, it's the album. I was just wondering, wondering whether it was a compilation, but I don't, don't think so. Okay, playing this. Oh, I don't know that. I've never heard that, dude. It's newer than I thought it was. I just um, came across it a while ago and yeah, stopped. Really, I just really like the song. It's a bit of a. It's not like Rocky at all. It's more of a you not know, typical party. Pearl Jam at all. No. Oh, well, that's what I like about it. Um, so I just thought I'd just quickly look through my Spotify and saw that and was like, yeah, that's a good song. Oh, wow. Okay. Well, as we uh, as we close out the show to just breathe by Pearl Jam, one of the the hidden gems in Pearl Jam's uh, discography. Uh, it's uh, it's time to end the Toffee Blues podcast. If you've been listening, and uh, you know we really appreciate it, uh, please subscribe to us if you haven't. 
Uh, it's just a cool thing to do. Uh, also, if you're thinking, gosh, I really wish I knew what posters Terry had on the wall in his recording room, you should check out our YouTube channel so you can see that. There's all kinds of stuff. Alright? Uh, and if you and you also get to see what Max looks like. So congrats to you if you if you if you were to check us out. So uh, subscribe to that as well. Um, also, uh, if if you want more Max, uh, besides checking out his Twitter account and seeing any kind of content that he puts on the Topic Blues website, uh, uh, is it Future Sport Pod? Future Sport Pod. Uh, follow that account on Twitter. That is Max's new jam that you can check out. All right, um, he's got a. It's one of his one of his new irons on the fire. So you should check that out. Also, uh, check out Terry on Twitter, uh, where he's befriending and angering the world simultaneously. He's doing both. So check that out. Uh, also, Liverpool Echo fan jury. Uh, lots of Terry out there on the internet. Just look for it. Uh, so, uh, I made mean, that sound bad, eh? It's uh, more, more than you might think. <laughs> Yikes. Uh, and you're welcome. So, uh, I guess the, we should also plug uh, the Toffee Blues website. You can get all kinds of Everton content there by contributors that come on this show often. Uh, yeah, it's a lot of stuff. And they're, all, they're all cool guys. I get to talk to them every once in a while. They, they, they say hello here at Toffee Blue Studio. So, uh, yeah, we're all in the same place. Yeah, that's a thing. Um, so also follow the Toffee Blues on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. I got nothing else. Nothing else to plug. Nothing for Jerry to plug yet. Maybe one day, eh? Guys, thanks so much. I appreciate the intense conversations. This was a... There's a lot of juicy stuff to talk about, and I appreciate the, uh, the consideration and uh, intelligence with which you bring your opinions. It's nice. All right? So, uh, Max, good to talk to you, man. Good to see you, buddy. Good to get back on the show. God bless Andre Gomez. See you later. Definitely. All right, Terry, good to see you as well. You too, guys. Always a pleasure. And uh, get well soon, Andre Gomez. Yes, Andre, for real. We love you. Yes. All right, get, get well soon. We're, you know, you'll be back. All right. Uh, from, all the, from all the blues, we'll talk to you later, uh, later on in the week. All right, have a good one. Bye. Side